Good evening, LCM. Good evening. Tonight is Wednesday, August 4th, and tonight is going to be glorious. Glorious. There is much to celebrate. Say celebrate. celebrate. There is much to celebrate because of what our heavenly king is doing in our midst. Look, we got pregnant mamas everywhere. We got babies left and right and weddings popping off like it's the 4th of July. That's something to celebrate. And we have much to be rejoicing in the Lord about. Hey, also, we have households being made into strongholds. We have elders that are bringing military intelligence to us. And we have pastors that are giving us divine direction. Come on, somebody. That's something to get excited about. So all these great things are aimed at something, though. You want to know what they're aimed at? They're aimed at forging mature manhood into our souls. <laughs> now, for the past several sermons, we've been, had been nothing short of life-shaving. Life-shaving? Yeah, li life-shaving. Like changing? Like life-shaving ministries. Life yes, okay, yes, yes. Like wife. Yes, yeah. all the above. Life-shaving and life-saving. But I think as we begin tonight, we should start with the scripture. You guys have your Bibles? Yeah. This is 1 Corinthians 16, verse 13. Let me know when you're there. First Corinthians 16, 13. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Like a, like a man. Like a man. And be strong. Come on, let's recap a little bit. Let's get that first slide. In Numbers 8, our pastors have been walking us through this priest-making revelation. Oh, yeah. And it starts off saying you have to take the Levites. You have make to make the Levites. Make them. We don't need more cowbell. <laughs> it's more courage to be perfected, developed, and discipled into the divine ruling of Christ that we need. We must. As a matter of fact, we get to. Like it's almost necessary. It's beneficial to participate in the razor-like trials and tribulations. We see it as a joy. Not a burden, but a joy to endure the scorn of shameful situations. We are allured by a dry desert heat. This razor process, because it has become for us a door of hope in the becoming of what Christ is. Amen. The razor is giving us strong convictions strong. like Nazarites. Firm callings, I mean stiff like the Levites. We're living lives of steadfast, can't stop devotion. Yeah, can't stop. Did you guys enjoy that message, Don't Fear the Razor? Do you remember the title of the second sermon after that? Let's throw up the slide. What is it, Bim? A shave and two bulls. two bulls. In this sermon, focusing on step three and four, take a young bull with his grain offering, take a second young bull for its sin offering, we learn that there is no such thing as a one bull cure-all. We have to have two bulls for a reason. Like a bull man. number one is our voluntary, willing life of a tribute before the Lord that makes bull number two possible. We have a two bull solution to every problem. Willingness 
and atonement come as a set. Every time we take communion, how important is communion? Very, Very. Very important. We are renewing our pledge to show the world both our two bulls. As we take the bread of our lives, as we take the bread, our lives are becoming a voluntary tribute before the Lord. And as we take the cup, our lives are being offered along with Christ as the atoning sacrifice for others. This reconciles the world to God, and it would never happen under the administration of a bullless contemporary church. Oh, wow. But this is not what you are, LCM. We have two bulls. Come on, that's true. And our third installment, the title of that sermon was, Hey, don't cut my prunes. As you can see in the slide, it covered steps five, six, and seven, which focused on the presentation, the participation, and proliferation of the people of God. You might remember that the goal of Numbers 8 and Ephesians 4 are one and the same. That you, church, may be ready. Say ready. ready. Equipped. Say equipped. equipped. And prepared. Say prepared. prepared. For the work of the Lord. It is more than to execute a duty for the Lord, but to perform it to the measure, to the stature, and the fullness of Christ. Furthermore, in Messiah's community presentation, our lives are on display for the whole world. This is so that they can see our progress into mature manhood. To fear community inspection and avoid it is a testament to your lack of bulls. But let's be honest. We've all had to check our bulls in the last few weeks. Moving right along. In Christ's community participation, we see imagery of a nation standing shoulder to shoulder. This scene is beautiful. And you can imagine that if a whole nation of individuals were so close that they could lay hands on each other, you might not see individuals, but one body that is many parts. We, see, we are equally connected to one another and participate in the body of Christ. The cycles of failure to measure up, followed by godly growth and maturity, have a reciprocal, reciprocal effect on the whole body. And finally, but not least, is community proliferation. This is the gift from God and to God that is the real, tangible, sanctified, rectified, undeniable growth of the body. You might remember that the Levites were set apart to help the nation grow into what God called them to be. And the result is that the nation as one body will be a gift back to the Lord. Church, we've already said it and we'll say it again. Tonight is going to be glorious. Say that with us. Tonight, Tonight is going to be glorious. It's going to be glorious. This evening, we're going to highlight the events that must, I mean, are necessary. The, the events that are drawing us into what brings about our ultimate perfection as priests. This path to mature manhood is not for the faint of heart. It is not for the fickle or the fearful. Indeed, it is for those that are forced in the firebrands, I mean forged, I mean worked into, who are willing to do the work. Say, do the work. Do the work. Die for their brother's vision and give their lives with joyful willingness to the King of Kings. Tonight, we're going to be gleaning from the life of Peter and the life of Paul. Men who have run their course and finished their race and stand with Jesus in glory today. Are you guys excited to hear about the life of Peter? I am. Are you excited to hear about the life of Paul? Yes. You guys want to hear tonight's sermon title? Yes. The title of tonight's sermon is Measuring Peter 
and Paul's deep convictions. Come on. Come on. Measuring Peter and Paul's deep convictions. With As, that being said, let's turn to Ephesians 4. Let's revisit Ephesians 4 from Sunday's message. This is Ephesians 4:11. Are you guys there? And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers to equip the saints for the min work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all, say all, all, all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. This whole Numbers 8 process or Ephesians 4 process is about being shaved or pruned in front of the whole world so that the world can see that you grow into the full measure of the manhood of Christ. And this is not for, for yourselves, but it is a blessing from God. But arguably, no man outside of Christ has experienced the razor publicly more than Peter. Constantly by Jesus, his rabbi, and his brothers, he was measured, weighed, and found wanting. Even with this, Peter was always willing to put himself out there and try. Because he knew something. Failure is not fatal. And pruning produces priests. Let's turn to Luke 5. So there when you're there. There. So I'm going to give you a little context on what's going on here in Luke 5. What we're going to read from is going to be verse 8. But in Luke 5, this is Jesus' first encounter with Simon. And Simon is a, is a fisherman in his own right. I mean, he's a, he's a professional fisherman. And he's been doing it all night. I mean, he's been working down to the bone. But he's coming up dry. He isn't coming up with anything. Jesus comes along and people are hungry to hear the word of God. So Jesus preaches that word. But we see that he's always also working in Peter. Peter's fishing all night, right? Jesus speaks. You know what happens here? A miraculous catch. They can't, even, they can't even bring it all in. And this is what we pick up, starting in verse 8. But when Simon saw this miraculous catch, when he saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish, that he had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Now we see here that Simon is, uh, he's found wanting. He's being publicly measured before Jesus. In the very first encounters, it's fortuitous. When you measure yourself by the Lord's stench, you will realize that Jesus, Jesus uses a much larger scale. I mean, he's not working with the same, you're not working with the same set of tools that he is. Peter recognizes that, hey, I'm, I'm coming up short here, and he does it publicly. But Peter's willing to try, and that's the point. He's willing to put himself out there. He's the first to do it. Maybe the first to repent in Scripture, and he's also the first to get rebuked, but we're going to see what his life produces. That's right. See, Peter is a man who's, he's been measured. He may have been found wanting, but you know what? You know what he was found with? He at least had his bulls. He had the first bull, the willingness, Willing. and Jesus was providing the atonement, the next bull. Everybody can see it. When somebody gets uh, measured, somebody gets shaved in public, you might be like, man, Peter got exposed. But what does Jesus say? 
Look what it goes on to say this. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Is, that, is Jesus surprised that Peter doesn't measure up? No, of course not. Right? This is 1 Corinthians 1. He, doesn't, he didn't call the, the wise or the noble the foolish things. Jesus recognizes that Peter doesn't measure up. And he sees that Peter is yet willing. Peter doesn't measure up, but Jesus can see that he is willing. And Jesus knows that what he is going to, he knows what he's going to make Peter into. That's why he says, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. You would notice that Jesus never discarded Peter, but sought to teach him through the pruning events of his life. Man, I can think about how many times I have screwed up and the pastors pruned me. They didn't throw me away. They didn't say, well, Abimbola, man, this is your last. That was it, man. That was the straw Abimbola that broke the camel's back. No, they, they showed mercy on me. Why is it that out of everyone, Peter's the only one recognizing that he had a sinful heart? Who else is in the story? James, John, the sons of Zebedee are like, yeah, well, Peter's getting exposed, but at least Peter's trying. And Jesus can see that in his life. That's us here in this house. When the pastor said, hey, you need to go home. You need to make shalom with your wife. You need to go do these steps, the, uh, the maximizing marriages, right? And you go home and you try and you fail. And you come back to the pastors and you say, hey, uh, it, it didn't work out like I planned. And they say, uh, well, did you do what I said? Well, kind of. Do they throw you away in that moment? No. no. They have mercy. They give you the word and say, hey, again, until you get it right. Jesus can see this in Peter's life. He knows he doesn't measure up, and yet he's not discarding him because he actually knows that the pruning events of Peter's life is going to bring about something miraculous. Peter was being publicly pruned but he never quit. Never quit. He never quit. And the process by which Peter, and the process by which Jesus made Peter into a mature man. So Peter had the chutzpah. He had the courage. He had the zeal to try and to press into the razor refinement of this pruning process. And this is what caused Jesus to raise this man into a mature man of God. See, Jesus Corrects him, but never rejects him. Peter's failures were never meant to, to crush him, but rather refine him. Not to say, hey, you failed in this area and this is all you're going to be. No, his failures were not fatal. As we think about this, as we meditate on Luke chapter 5, this is Peter's first interaction with Jesus in scripture. We want you guys to turn to John chapter 13 and see another interaction that Jesus had Another interaction that Peter had with Jesus. Come on, this is John 13 and verse 6 when you get there. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing. But later you will understand. Listen, sometimes we just need to let the pruning process happen in our life. Like Peter, who was being measured, we are also being measured, and we may not understand what today's pruning will produce tomorrow. Yeah. Look at verse 8. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. 
Have you been that disciple before? And Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part in me. We cannot escape this public process and still have fellowship with Jesus. We can't circumvent it and run from it. Because pruning produces priests, and we cannot shrink back. We cannot shrink back when we are being measured like Peter. Look at verse 9. Then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet and my, my head as well, my hands and my head as well. But Jesus answered, a person who has had a bath needs only to wash his feet. His whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was, going, who was going to betray him. And that was why he said not everyone was clean. Jesus always had in mind what Peter would become and needed him to understand that unless he was washed or pruned today, that he would not endure the pruning process that would be coming his way in the following days. Peter's failures were to refine him, yeah. not to define him. Pruning produces priest. Now listen to what Jesus says about this process and the outcome of what it will produce inside of us. This is John 14 and verse 12. Say there when you're there. It says, I'll tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Now let's just engage with this passage. First and foremost, anytime you try anything for the first time, do you always get it right? No. If you can't do that when you try to ride a bike or when you try to do something basic like, basic like, a, like a problem in school, what makes us think that we're going to do the supernatural things the first time and get it? We're going to be uh, God's man of power for the hour. That is not how this works. And we see clearly in Scripture that pruning is actually what produces a priest. Yeah. Often, uh, I like to separate what the mature outcome is supposed to be from what it takes to actually get there. Oh, I want to be this mature priest. I want to be this mature man of God. But this pruning, I, I don't feel as enthusiastic about this. We cannot separate these two processes because they are one in the same. In John 14, 12, did Peter believe in Jesus? Yeah. Come on, talk to me. You know he did. Was Peter perfect? No. You know the answer to that question is no. But he was always willing to try. Come on. From the very beginning, he was willing to put himself out there to be measured. I mean, publicly, on display, for everybody to see, to see what he was. But in seeing what he was, you, you could also see what he was growing into. We're going to learn this from Peter tonight. We're going to learn to be willing to try always. Because that is what it takes to grow. When measuring Peter, you will notice that he often came up short a little bit. But Christ had the end goal in mind. Yeah. Jesus would correct Peter, but he would never reject him. He knew what he would become. And because Peter was willing to try again and again and again, Jesus was able to prune him again and again. Pruning is what produces the priest. Now, what happened if Peter wanted to try just a little bit, but, man, that razor got a little bit too sharp? Well, he wouldn't have been able to be pruned the way he was, and he wouldn't have produced the fruit that he did. Peter was willing to embrace this pruning process of being measured up to Christ because he knew, he learned, 
that pruning is what produces priests. This is incredible, and this is why I love Peter. Out of all the 12, Jesus will ask a question, and Peter will be the one to answer. Out of all the 12, something would happen, and, and Peter would say, well, I, I, don't, I don't understand. He was constantly putting himself in those situations. He was willing to embrace the pruning process. This is the same guy who said, hey, you are the Messiah, the Son of God. And in the exact same chapter, he's like, no, you cannot go to the cross. You cannot die. He is being, he's being pruned again and again and again. And what I love about Peter is he's not afraid of the razor. He doesn't fear the razor. He understands that pruning produces the priest. And when we look at Peter's life, something extraordinary takes place. All this refinement. What, what does it produce inside of him? What we're about to learn about Peter is that he was a man who was fully trained. You guys familiar with Luke 6, chapter 4? Luke 6, 40? Where it says, a student is not above his teacher, but everyone who is fully trained would be like his teacher. You guys want to see something extraordinary? Yeah. Let's put this slide on, on the screen. Look at the maturing into the manhood of Christ in Peter's life. Wow. On the left-hand side of the screen, we have the miraculous things that Jesus did. And on the right-hand side, we see how Peter was walking the exact same process. On the left, we have Jesus walking on water, which is extraordinary. On the right, we have Peter, out of the 12, walking on water just like Jesus. In, in the left side of the screen, we have Jesus healing a crippled man with a mat. On the right side of the screen, Peter is in the book of Acts doing the exact same thing. Jesus is raising the dead. He's, he has a public preaching with the Beatitudes. He's standing before the religious leaders of his day. He is the Savior of the Jewish nation. And can you see the parallel in Peter's life? He is raising a dead woman. There's a public preaching on the day of Pentecost. He stood before the, the Jewish religious leaders and he testified to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he was the apostle to the Jews. This is what it looks like to be refined. This is what it looks like to endure the process. This is what it looks like for a man to mature into the manhood of Christ, to press into the razor, to have a willing heart. This is what God produces in a man just like this. Before we go to John 21, this slide blessed me because when I think of who I identify with in the Bible, it's usually Peter. Because he's marked by failure after failure after failure. But then I look at his life the way the scripture lays it out. And I see that he became like his teacher. If you try and try and never give up. And you let your pastors prune you again and again and again. You will become what they are. And so much more. So much more. He allowed these moments to prune Peter so that he would become the priest performing those greater works that he was always called to do. Do you see that Jesus always had this in mind? That's why he never rejected him. He just corrected him to keep him headed in the direction that he was always intended to land. Look, we told you tonight would be glorious. And our hope is that you are starting to see it for what it is. What this measuring process actually looks like. Let's go to John 21 to see how Peter's life was prophesied in. This is John 21, verse 18. Let me know when you're there. As Peyton is about to elucidate us with that scripture. We talked about the pastors uh, pruning you. But I'm also hearing 
the husbands being able to prune your wives. Yeah. Wives pressing into that pruning so that you can become what your husband is. Yeah. I'm hearing children being pruned into what their parents are so they can, they can become what they've been called to be, the house that they're growing up in. Yeah. This is a process, a process for every one of us to engage in. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we actually have to press in with one another so that I can let you prune me. So that I, I can become what I'm called to be for you. The body's connected. What he just said was so profound. You have to be close to your brother so they can prune you. How can they show you or trim those branches that don't need to be there if you're not anywhere near them? It makes no sense. But let's look at how Peter's life was prophesied to end. Are you guys in verse 18? Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you don't want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Follow me, Peter. You've been measured your whole life. Continue to follow me. I've always had in mind the end goal. You've been the disciple that was willing to try, be exposed, try again, be exposed. All these I meant to refine you. Refine you and make you in to the priest that you were called to be. What these difficulties and these trials and these failures did, it birthed a priesthood inside of Peter. It was because of the pruning, not in spite of the pruning. Because of the pruning, not in spite of the pruning. Because of the pruning, by the end of Peter's life, he attains the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood. And he is now measuring up to the stature of the fullness of Christ. You know, legend has it that Peter was crucified and he refused to be crucified like his king. So he asked to be hung upside down. He felt no need at this point in his life to hold on to his dignity or even his own personal identity. His humiliation was his exaltation. What he wanted and was pressing in for and during the razor was he wanted fullness in Christ. That's what he wanted. And he knew something about his life that he had learned from his rabbi. And what was it? It was that pruning produced Produces priest. Now let's hear one last exhortation from Peter. This is 1 Peter 4 and verse 12. Before we do, as my brothers minister to all of us, even on the stage, I'm being moved. Peter refuses the razor. He refuses to, to allow himself to cower back. He's willing. He's trying. And even at the end of his life. He is allowing his death to glorify his king. And I can't help but think about the Garden of Gethsemane. I can't help but think that Peter was there with Jesus, watching Jesus press into the razor, saying, Father, not my will, but let your will be done. And he was gleaning from those experiences. And we can see in this man's life. When I first came to LCM, you know what drew me to this church? When I saw the leaders and the caliber of men that they were. Not, not because of macho bravado, not because they rode they wrote trucks or grew beards, but I could see that they embraced the razor-like process. They allowed themselves to be pruned again and again and again. And something inside of me said, I want to be a man like that. 
This is Peter's, this is what Peter had to walk through. And this is what we're all called to, to be in Christ, to measure up, to grow into this kind of conviction. How many of you want to be that kind of man? And ladies, it's all right for you too. How many of you want to be that kind of man? I do. The pruning is actually how we get there. Yeah. And I'm not going to lie to you. It may be shot to you, but I know practically in my life, I've not always associated the pruning with becoming that kind of man. And praise God, he gives revelation and he continues to do it because he's, pro- he's probably told me before, but I'm just starting to get it. I'm thankful for uh, patient pastors. The pruning is actually what makes us a man like that, just like Peter. We look at that screen and we're like, man, Peter did everything that Jesus did. Peter was also most corrected, probably most prayed for. Peter, I prayed for you. So if you got to get prayed for again and again, let that be a sign of encouragement that you're moving forward. This process is actually what makes men. And our Father wants to make us into mature men, into a mature body of Christ, and we're learning to love the way that we're getting there. 1 Peter verse 4. 1 Peter 4 verse 12. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trials you are suffering. Now, just full disclosure, let's, let's interact with it. Are you surprised the first, like, at the first sign of, of, of discomfort, are you surprised? Like, yes. oh, that hurt. Sometimes. Yes. Where did this come from? See, I don't think Peter came out the womb like that. I don't think he came out the womb recognizing that, oh, this shouldn't be surprising. I think he learned, I think he learned that it was a process that we have to go through. Do not be surprised at the painful trials you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you. We've all read this verse. Full disclosure, we've all read it. We've all, we may even shared it in a message. But at times it may seem strange when there's pruning going on. It may, the, the pruning may seem like a strange thing, like that actually looks counterintuitive to how I want to grow. If I want to grow, shouldn't I add more and not, not prune? That's not the way this works. And Peter learned this process, and so are we. What does he do next? But you rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed. Not just joyful, overjoyed. When his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. In some translations, it even says happy. Happy are you. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. You mean when you're suffering, the spirit of glory rests on you? Now, somebody tell me what that spirit of glory feels like when you're suffering. It may not feel like you want it to feel, but it is. This is the truth. The Bible does not care about how you feel. The word is truth. And when you are suffering as Christ intended you to, that is when glory is resting on you. That is when you are being made into a mature man, not when you can stand up and talk like it. And that's what we're learning to walk through. If you suffer, it should, it should not be as a murderer should be shot, or a thief or any kind of criminal or even as a meddler. Watch out for the meddlers. <laughs> However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed. If you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed when you're being pruned, when you're being called on a try again and again and again. If you are doing it in faith that you'll become like he is. You are not to be ashamed. That's a command. 
but praise God that you bear that name. LCM, you bear that name and the sufferings that you are enduring, the prudent process that you are enduring are to make you like him. For it is time for judgment to begin with the family of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? This is not a man who is writing a story to make us feel good. That's right. This is not for our feelings. This is truth. And this was Peter's life. He learned that pruning is what produced the priesthood in him. This is a man who is writing to us to make us sober-minded. We want to set our expectations on what the Bible says and not what, not what we feel like it should say. Are you looking forward to Christ coming? Are you looking forward to being saved? Yes. You're being saved right now. But you don't see him. But what you do have is the same pruning process that Peter was walking through. So let's not miss Christ coming to us right now. I want to receive him with joy right now as I'm being pruned. I want to receive him with, with an overjoyed spirit because I know that he is making me into what he said he would. We must endure to attain to the full measure. Talking about the whole thing. The whole thing. He is writing to remind us that we need a tubal kind of solution. And that is the pruning that produces priests. Yeah. Peter was measured, and we got to see all his progress. Don't hide any of your progress. Yeah. This is man stuff, mature manhood stuff. Amen. Like a man. Like a man. What does man, mature manhood look like? It is glorious. Say that with me. It is glorious. It is, it is glorious. glorious. But it always doesn't feel like it's glorious. It doesn't feel like it or look like it in that moment. I mean, we can look at the lives of Peter. We can look at the lives of the apostles. But it is glorious. I mean, when you talk about your entire body being shaved publicly in view of everyone, think about how uncomfortable that is. Right? Does anybody want to be shaved publicly? No. no. I've, I've had my mustache shaved publicly. I, I can tell you I didn't feel like a mature man. I felt like a <laughs> naked mole rat. <laughs> Nobody likes being shaved publicly. And this is what we've been talking about over the last few weeks. But what it produces inside of us is actually something that's glorious. Pruning produces priest. If you guys had in the last 48 hours razor-like processes in your life, Yes. It's glorious. It's producing something beautiful inside of you. You are maturing into the manhood of who Jesus Christ is. Now, as we're getting ready to leave Peter and look at the life of Paul and his deep convictions, we want to remind ourselves of our older brother, Israel, prince with God, and how they themselves endured this razor-like process. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 4, pick it up in verse 20. Verse 20, but as for you, the Lord took you and brought you out of the iron smelting furnace, out of Egypt, to be the people of his inheritance as you now are. Why did God take Israel through the furnace? Because he was making something. He was forming and shaping his inheritance. Now, if Israel had to endure that to be fruitful, we can be sure that we're going to have to go through the similar process to be fruitful. 
We are co-heirs in the promise. We are also co-heirs in the process. And it is glorious. As we continue on to Paul, Paul was a man made in the fires of adversity. But it wasn't just about him. He made other men into mature men by partnering with the Lord who was directing his steps. Remember how Paul addressed the church in 1 Corinthians 11? Imitate me as I imitate Christ, as I imitate the Messiah. In light of that, let's turn to 2 Corinthians 11 to see how Jesus formed Paul's deep convictions. And you're going to want to keep your finger in this passage because we're going to reference it multiple times. Let me know whenever you get to verse 21. Peyton got something good for us right here. Save deep convictions when you get there. Verse 21. What anyone else dares to boast about, I'm speaking as a fool, I also dare to boast about. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they Abraham's descendants? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I'm out of my mind to talk like this. I am more. I have worked harder. Been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death time and time again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. Uh, I have been constantly on the move. I've been in the danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, danger from the Gentiles, in danger in the city. Are you catching the picture? In danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false brothers. Does it sound glorious, church? Prisons, beatings, exposures, being pummeled with rocks, shipwrecks, stuck floating at sea. Yes, there were probably sharks. He had no place to stay. If the open sea wasn't bad enough, surely a river wouldn't be as bad. Apparently not. The rivers were also dangerous. People constantly trying to rob him. The Jews and the Gentiles both wanted him dead. The very nation... That he was from, to whom the promises of God belong, and the future Graftons, who Paul was called to take the message of their inclusion. Good news on both fronts, they still wanted him dead. Can you imagine what this must have been like, fighting for the promises of God for your people and being rejected for it? Can you imagine, imagine having the message of hope for the Gentiles who had no hope, and they treat your news as no news? Paul must have had a taste of what the work of Jesus was like. Jesus initiated it, and then he entrusted it to his disciple, Paul. But suffice it to say, Paul knew that pruning produces priests, and he knew it well. But does it sound glorious? I can tell you it is, just not in the way that you think. It sounds glorious in pretense, but think about it. Paul's trials are difficult and are things that he has no control over. Why would the Lord allow his faithful servant to go through these things? Why? Yeah, I'll tell was, you why. Was the Lord hurting him? No. He was allowing it because he knows precisely that pruning produces priests. Because he wants Paul to attain fullness in Christ. Because he wants to forge Paul's deep convictions. Are you guys still in 2 Corinthians 11? Verse 27. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. 
mm, yes, please, labor and toil. You know, do you, does that sound good to you, verse 27? Labor, toil, going without sleep. Man, no. how many of you are just overjoyed with this passage? But it is the reality of Paul's life. And he's recording, recording it because it was an important part of his discipleship. It was an important part of his pruning process. Let's continue on. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I don't feel weak? Who is led into sin and I do not inwardly burn? If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. So why boast in weakness? Carlos said it right. Because that's man stuff. That's mature manhood. Why would he boast in his weakness? Because the weaknesses were the things that were pruning and defining him and producing a priesthood in him. This might sound familiar in Philippians 4, verses 12. Philippians 4, verses 12. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. The situations that we were just talking about in 2 Corinthians. This might be what he's thinking about. Whether well-fed or hungry. Whether living in plenty or in want, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Now, when we read the, the passage above, we got a, a few different tiers of people. We read the, the 2 Corinthians 11. If you love that passage, that is what you think about when you think about Paul. Most people, when they think about, about Paul, they think about, man, he was an apostle to the Gentiles. He was, man, he was a bold man of God. He wrote most of, the New, most of the New Testament, not considering the fact that he didn't do that alone, and not considering the fact that he actually did that in weakness. So those people don't think about that. But those of us who love this story, those of us who love uh, Pete, Paul's pressing in to these difficulties and what it produced in him, I love that about him. I'm learning to love that about my own life. That's, that's the camp I'm in. Learning to love this pruning, love these difficulties because of what they're producing. And Paul wasn't doing this because of his great strength. Psalm 33 says, a horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite its great strength, it cannot save. Paul is not doing this because he is strong. He's doing this because he has a revelation. And that revelation is driving him into this pruning process. One deep conviction that Paul developed, just one of them, was that it was never his strength, but the grace of God working in him uh-huh. to bring about fruitfulness yeah. as he endured the pruning process. From what you read earlier, do, does it sound like, and he talked about boasting, but do, does it sound like he was boasting in his strength? No, he's telling you all the ways in which he suffered, but Christ ultimately brought him through that and made him the man of God that he was called to be. Remember in 1 Corinthians 15 when he said, But by the grace of God, oh, by the grace of my strength, no. By the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. It produced something in me. No, I worked harder than all of them, yet not I. I have nothing to boast about. But the grace of God that was with me. 
In what other circumstances could Paul be put in to learn that only Christ's power could rescue him? These circumstances that he had no power to change. Think about it. He didn't just, he didn't choose these things. He wasn't like, okay, man, I want to go do something for God. Let me go find the, 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 the deepest river. Let me go find the, the vastest ocean. Let me go find somebody to piss off. No. He was loving the Lord. He was loving the Lord, doing what the Lord was telling him to do. He didn't choose these circumstances, but you know who did? His good father. Because he knew what it was going to produce in him. These circumstances, he had no power to change, but he had to endure through them to, de to develop Paul's deep convictions. Listen to what he says in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 8. In 2 Corinthians 12, 8, it says this. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. Sounds like me every day praying to the Lord. <laughs> verse 9. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This is the Apostle Paul. He can see his deep convictions being driven inside of him. Paul actually felt the blade of the razor from the Lord. It was uncomfortable. It wasn't easy, but it was glorious, absolutely glorious. Yeah. It was hard for him. But what did all this development produce inside of him? What did it produce inside of Paul? From the moment you, you, you are introduced in Paul in the book of Acts and moving forward throughout the chapter and, and also in the books that he wrote, from the moment that he had encountered with the Lord, what did you see? What did we learn? We can see a man who received a word from yeah. God and that was enough. He received God speaking to him a word, and he went forward in that direction. He went forward, and he had deep convictions because of it. This man literally was dragged outside of a city, stoned, and left for dead. They stoned him so bad that they thought he was dead. If they, if they honestly thought that this man was not dead, do you think they would have stopped stoning him? They stoned him so badly, they thought he was dead and left him. Disciples gather around him and he stands back up and doesn't say, hey, uh, how do I get out of here? Because yeah, that was I, difficult. I want to get out of this. I've earned my leave. He actually stands up, goes right back into the city because he has a word from God. That's what deep conviction looks yes. like. You, it cannot be broken. Jesus says, I will show you what a man who comes to me, who hears my word, puts it into practice and builds his house on the rock. This is who the Apostle Paul is, and this is who God is calling us to be tonight. One word from God, one word from our one king, word. one word from our master, one word from our shepherd is more than enough. And Paul demonstrated it here. See, what seemed inglorious to Paul was the very thing that worked into him the fullness of Christ. Causing him to measure and to become that mature man. See, tonight we, we've said a lot. We've talked about the life of Peter. We've seen how he is measured up. And we've studied the source of Paul's deep conviction. The Lord is speaking something beautiful to us tonight. Do we have he, our ears our ears open to hear it? Yes. Peter was measured and found wanton, but not forever. The man of God finished his life well, and he brought glory to God. 
Peter was, Paul was crushed, depleted of his own strength, but not forever. In his weakness, he found God's power. Yeah. These men endured the pruning process that produces priests of the living God. These mature men welcomed the razor in their life, and it produces the fullness. It produced the fullness of Christ, and they had a oneness in His body. Are you seeing it, church? Peter was a man who was measured publicly, but he tried again, and he tried again, and he was pruned again and again, and it produced a priesthood in him. And it was based off failures, things he tried to get right and he couldn't seem to get it right. But at the end of his days, he landed exactly where he was supposed to be and attained the full measure of Christ. And then Paul, having one word from the Lord was enough for him to get back in that city and do it again. He couldn't be stopped. But what developed that deep conviction? It was all the atrocities he had to go through that he had no control over. A situation God put him in that he asked the Lord, take it away. This is hard. And the Lord said, my power is perfect in your weakness. Paul could not have learned that unless the Lord led him through a situation where he had to be exposed and realize his lack. Him coming out on top because Christ reached down and raised him to fullness gave him deep convictions. In all of Peter and Paul's pruning, Jesus was bringing them to unity in the faith. Realize, these these men ministered together. They worked together. They suffered together. They endured together till the very bitter end. And it was glorious. They both got to see each other's public progress. They got to see each other's failures and hardships. But they also are standing together in glory today. Now, it may have escaped your notice what Jesus might be doing behind the scenes. Do you believe he might have been doing something behind the scenes? So as these men are being pruned, we believe this is happening. Who was Peter called to? Hmm. Who was Paul called to? Mean to tell me Jesus allowed these men to be pruned? So... They could be sent to different nations to show them this way of life that Jesus initiated. I want to show you a slide of what these men were aimed at. Two men who did not fear the razor. One man who would try and try again and he would be raised up to fullness. One man who would endure and never quit, who had deep convictions, who would go to the Gentiles and at the end of days... These men will have disciples and an effect on the one body of Christ. They were aimed at this, but I don't know if they saw it. Maybe they had a word. Maybe they had a revelation because of the Torah that these things would happen. But in the midst of the trials and the difficulties, did it feel glorious? No, they had to trust the pruning process. They had to trust that as they endured these difficulties and things are being stripped away, that ultimately it would produce the perfected priesthood in them. And they could not lose faith. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians 12 as our last scripture.
The body is a unit. Though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. These two men were a unit, working in different and sometimes overlapping fields. But there was one body, one way, one process, and that process has not changed. Now, when you think about Peter, what we think about more than his, than his pruning, more than his mistakes, I think about a man who was willing. And when I think about Paul, a man who, who had deep convictions, I think about the fact that he had a revelation of Christ's atonement that drove him on to press through every kind of suffering, every kind of trial because of what he saw, the revelation that God has given him. We think about these men and we talk about their trials. We should see the trials as they are. They are glorious, yet it was pruning. And yet, you, you, don't, you shouldn't feel sorry for Peter, I promise you. He wouldn't ask you to. They finished their life not only in obedience, but they finished their life with joy because they know what they were attaining. Amen. Paul finished his life a happy man until the very time he took off his head. Because he knew what he was going to attain to. When you know what this pruning produces, it gives you joy. Because you're being pruned? Maybe not. You may like it. I don't know. Sometimes I don't. But it produces Christ. And that I love. That I want. That I desire. Stand up with me. If you are being measured like Peter and constantly finding yourself coming up short, undergoing rebukes, correction, discipline, do not lose heart because the pruning is what produced priests. If you are being constantly put in difficulties like Paul, circumstances you have no power to change, hardships that the Lord is allowing to make you into the priest that he wants you to do, persevere in them. Do not lose heart because the pruning is what produced priests. He is developing deep convictions in you. He is causing you to measure up to the manhood of Christ. Now, Scripture says that everything that was done to them and for them was for our benefit. We get to look at their lives, and we get to know ahead of time the way we should engage with, our, with, with these, these, these things that are going on in our lives. So if you know that pruning actually produces a man that measures up into Christ, how could we not have joy? It's supposed to engender joy. And my layman's turn for joy, personally, it's a sign of how much I trust the Lord. If you walk around and you see me moping and groping, I am not trusting the Lord the way I should be. But when you see me joyful, when you see me full of life, when you see me radiant, when you see me pressing into difficulties and loving what they're producing, then you can know that I am trusting my Father. What this pruning is supposed to produce in us is joy. Joy, unspeakable joy, because we want Christ and we are going to attain Christ. That is the outcome of this process. Persevering. If you know that persevering produces deep convictions, oh, we should have a joyful willingness that causes us to press in to the things that we are persevering through because of what they're producing. Do you want that joyful willingness? 
This altar is for those who want mature manhood, for those who want to be priests, made into priests, made into a mature man. We're not going to resist his pruning in our lives at this altar. Affliction is your affirmation that Jesus is forging deep convictions in you. Do not fear the razor tonight. We invite you, bring your joyful, willing offerings to this altar to be made into the mature priesthood that he's calling you to be. Bring your joyful obedience to him tonight and tomorrow when you leave this place. And he will raise you up to the full measure in Christ. If that is what you want, come and worship the Lord. And worship until you get what you're after. Worship until you get what he is trying to give you. The Lord is making priests in this place. And our response is a joyful willingness in that pruning process. Jesus, Lord God, you're giving us a revelation of you tonight. And we say, Lord, you are glorious, Lord. God, you are worthy and you are worth it, God. Lord, the pruning is worth it, God. Because you are producing something in us, Lord God. And Father, we're crying out, Lord, for the joy of the Lord to be our strength, mighty God. Lord, we say, fill us, Lord, with this overwhelming joys that presses into the pruning. Lord God, move in your people tonight as we worship you with all that we have. And when we stand up from this altar, when we leave here, mighty God, we're going forth in a joyful expectation of what the pruning will produce in our lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray.